of milk or something <laughs> to unstick my. What is it, Barney? This is the start of the episode right here. Oh, no. Oh, no. Just take those old... Um, Welcome to Out of Touch, Out of Time. A podcast about people who are out of touch and out of time. (laughs) Namely, us. You're out of touch. I'm out of time. I didn't think about how that song is referring to two parties. Yeah. One of the parties is out of touch. And Holland Oats are out of time. Right. I forget if they expound on that. Well, I think they're saying you're out of touch and I am i don't have time for you. Okay. I don't okay. have time for your shenanigans, so. Okay. Okay. So yeah. there was like a moment in the relationship when he had more time. He could put up with it. Yeah. When they did, because they're together singing the song about this one woman who they date simultaneously. <laughs> I guess that's all their songs, right? Right. Unless they're, like, singing to each other. Oh, God, I never thought about that. That'd be so so cool if that were true. Like, you make my dreams come true? Are they just talking to each other? Daryl Hall is singing to John Oates. Yeah. And John Oates is like, as if to say, thanks, bud. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing he can say. (laughs) He's just so moved by it. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, Holland Oates. um, We began this episode with a discussion of Holland Oates, a 50-year-old rock band, um, to, to show you that we're out of our element when it comes to modern music. We <laughs> we're out of touch. Yeah, we we've been <laughs> we've just been plunged into it, into into forms of it recently. I like and, how that's the theme of this episode, but it's really the theme of every episode. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it really is. It really should be the name of the podcast. Honestly, out of touch. It's the most. Um, apropos one we've ever done yeah well except for the red hot chili podcast of course that was a pretty good name given how much we talk about them right right yeah but that one's probably taken already you think so uh i don't think their fans are smart enough to come up with that title (laughs) yikes (laughs) um but anyway yeah, this is going to be a fun one, I think, um, because we're going to talk about punk, and we're going to talk about everything else, too. <laughs> I'm going to talk about everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, last week, we saw Soul Glow, who are a hardcore punk band from Philadelphia, who... Just like Holland Oats. Well, they're not a hardcore punk band, but they're also from, <laughs> yeah. they're also from Philadelphia. Yeah. And unlike Hollow Notes, um, uh, Soul Glow actually has black members. Um, they're not just—I don't know what I'm talking. About. Didn't you? Didn't you think that uh, 
I thought John yeah. Oates was black for a long time. Yeah. But they kind of like styled themselves that way too. I don't want to suggest that he was like trying to pass himself no, off. No, I think that was just but... I think that was just everyone had a perm and they well, I mean he probably has naturally curly hair. My understanding and, is uh, Yeah. He had like kind of a a Jerry curl thing going on. But they definitely marketed themselves as like a rock and soul group. And Daryl Hall, when he was a like a young person, um, played in like soul groups and stuff in Philadelphia. So they were like, I don't know if they were part of the scene there, but they definitely took things from it. Hmm. Um, uh, hey, that reminds me of Soul Glow. <laughs> yeah, um, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Hardcore well, punk band. Yeah, from... I don't know about you, but I have never heard of Soul Glow until um, the end of last year when... Yes. There were all these lists coming out of like the greatest albums of 2022, and I kept seeing this album Diaspora Problems by Soul Glow. And based on those names, I thought they were a soul group, but come to find out, they're a hardcore punk group. And um, I was just listening to a lot of albums on those lists out of curiosity, and I was like, oh my god, this is like furious music, and I love it. For some reason, uh, that one stood out to you. Um, well, maybe because it's a goddamn like, punk record, yeah. Well, yeah, and there's not a lot of like new hardcore punk I'm aware of that like gets recognized like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it seems like most like hardcore punk bands of note are from like the '70s and. You know, I mean, you've had them, like, every decade since then, but... Oh, I mean... How often do you see, like, an album that's, like... We saw... I mean, we saw that the scenes are still around uh, in a big way. That that was made abundantly clear to us. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which is actually kind of moving. It's like, punk kids have not gone away. Yeah. Um, They still exist. They're still like in the margins. They're not in magazines. They're not on TV or whatever, but they're still around. Yeah. Listening to that album was like, oh my God, this band would be amazing to see live. It would just be like the loudest, most furious thing. And just like so much energy. Um, And then sure enough, we saw they were going to play Ace of Cups in Columbus. So we're like, oh, we got to go. And then, ironically, our friend Kevin had been getting into this band called MS Paint. That's a synth punk band, and uh, he kept like talking about, to us about MS Paint every time we saw him. And then we found out that MS Paint was playing with Soul Glow, so yeah, it's kind of perfect. It was the perfect show. <laughs> yeah, so it was on a Thursday, and. Uh, you know, it's one of those it's things where you look forward to a show for months, and then when it comes and it's on a weeknight, you're kind of like, oh, man, I got to go to this show, but I have to work tomorrow. But it's like, whatever, it's going to be great. Let's go. Um, and I was pretty sure it was going to be a lit show, but I don't think either of us were prepared for what went down. <laughs> yeah, it was beyond lit. It was it was it was straight up dangerous. It was on fire. It was on fire. There was definitely a moment. I forget who said it was because, you know, we saw Soul Glow, we saw MS Paint, 
the band that opened for them was called Jive Bomb from Baltimore. Um, they were all great. Um, they were all super intense. The crowd lost their minds for all of them. And there was definitely a moment, it might have been in Jive Bomb's set, where I was like, if I can get out of this building tonight and <laughs> not have like split my lip or like have my shirt torn in half, then I will just be so grateful. And I am grateful now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I had a similar feeling. Like, I was mostly worried that I was going to get, like, punched or kicked in the face. Um, I guess we should sort of, like, set the scene. Right. You might be asking uh, yourself, uh, what are they talking about? Why would they be worried about getting punched in the face? It's just rock and roll, right? <laughs> well, let me tell you. <laughs> So Ace of Cups, for those who haven't been there, it's not a big place. It's a it's a bar that's like got open space, um, one floor, and then there's like a balcony above that's just kind of for hanging. But like you can't wa- really watch a show from, or you w- really wouldn't watch a show from up there. Um, Do you think there was a pit up in the balcony? No. <laughs> I mean- if ever there would be one, it would have been to that show. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, sorry. You were saying. And then, like, the stage is in the corner. And it's not that high off the ground. Like, it's, I don't know, like, four feet or something. So the band's, like, right there. Like, right, you're right on top of them. Like, you can just walk up to the front. Um, I mean, how what would you say the square footage is in there? Like, I'm not good at square I'm, feet. I'm not good at that either. But it's not big. It's 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 maximum capacity. I don't know, five hundred people. Is that crazy? Not even that. Yeah, probably not even that. Um, but yeah, so we got there early and had some time to just like hang around. And we went in the back, and there were a lot of like a lot of like punks who were like our age and older, like wearing black with like tattoos and piercings, like smoking in the back, like on the picnic tables which is like what we kind of expected and then there were a lot of like teenagers or like early 20s people like hanging out inside waiting for the bands to start and they didn't really look like punk kids from like my from what I had in my head of my idea in my head of like what punk kids look like they were just kind of wearing like baggy shirts and nobody had like a a clothespin or whatever they just kind of had like the gen x or gen z look of like baggy clothes they just kind of look like white kids from upper arlington to yeah maybe a slightly more alt than average but you know people who like don't shower based on the smell (laughs) and the the greasy hair factor but they weren't like noticeably young. Like a lot of them look like teenagers or like early twenties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first band that went on, Jive Bomb, that you mentioned, they're a hardcore punk band. And like as soon as they started, like the crowd just parted because like these kids just started moshing. Right. And like taking up so much space that like the majority of the people right. in there were not interested in moshing, but they had to like, we had to get the fuck out of the way because the mosh kids were like taking up most of the space and everybody else was like sequestered in like a semicircle 
by the bar mm-hmm. while we just watch these kids like run back and forth. I've never seen anything like it. And I went to like some DIY punk shows maybe like 10 or 15 years ago when I first moved to Columbus. But there was that moment when people were sort of standing around like a normal show. The band started playing and then you could just you just watched everybody not everybody just people step back and form this massive ring like a fucking bull ring for these teenagers to just charge each other yeah it was insane and they were like using so much space like we had to like stay back because they were running around and like they were furiously like punching through the air as they were like running towards the edges of the crowd so Mm -hmm. you were like oh shit i'm gonna get punched in the face they were like uh they were like doing roundhouse kick like jump kicks yeah like spinning roundhouse kicks as they got closer and closer to the edge (laughs) like oh shit i'm gonna get kicked in the face uh there was a lot of skanking which i thought was just like a ska thing because it just looks kind of silly but like and this music's like so heavy and like fast and furious and mm-hmm. but they're just doing like this silly little dance which was kind of funny right um but like the worst part was that there were several people there were quite a few people who would like run as fast as they could from like one side of the circle to the other jump up as high as they could in the air and just like launch themselves into the crowd of people that were like desperately trying to like stay away from the mosh pit yeah and some of those people were like fucking tall like there was one guy who was like six three who was doing that and i'm just like man let's chill out (laughs) yeah yeah you big oaf yeah (laughs) i just love the the three-step routine you you sort of said it already but it would start off kind of innocuously with skanking and then move on to a wilder chapter and that was more like swinging arms flying kicks jumping on the stage kind of break dance adjacent sort of stuff much more visceral than fucking skanking and then the third step was just madness it was just bodies colliding with each other it was people jumping over each other and jumping into each other yeah yeah i mean people kept like launching themselves into the crowd and then and then the people in the crowd would like fall over. And <laughs> Case in point. I mean, you really had to like brace yourself because you had to be ready to like the only thing to do is to like push them back or else yeah. you're gonna fall down. So you just kinda have to brace yourself and then like as soon as they run into you, just like put like shove them back as far right. as hard as you can. Which yeah. is what they want. Like they want I wanna push you around. <laughs> they they wanna be pushed around. Right. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's all about that visceral experience. You you watch it, and I kind of understand the appeal. It's akin to dancing. It, I mean, you could call it slam dancing, right? And it's just that that feeling of of being sweaty, of moving, of making contact with other bodies. There's nothing like it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm 35 years old, and uh, I just want to drink my beer and have a good time. Yeah, and. That- was most people in there it really <laughs> was, was. Shitty about it was like and you I, couldn't you couldn't pay attention to the music without risking your fucking life yeah it was a spectacle i mean i walked away with two bruises on my legs and i was like 
trying to stay away. <laughs> yeah. But I just got, like, people ran into me. Yeah. Couldn't help it. I was worried I was going to get, like, really hit. Mm-hmm. Um, especially by that like that one guy that kept doing the spinning roundhouse kicks and he kept getting like closer and closer to the edge yeah yeah I was hit at one point <laughs> by the tiniest punk there um, a woman who looked pretty cool was having a blast you know, she looked mocking... very punk like she had yes. like the crazy haircut and like the dyed like black and bleach blonde combo but this is somebody sub five feet probably yeah i've been 100 pounds i would would say like 90 pounds right (laughs) it was during the first song in solo set that she just suddenly was launched at me and uh like i was kind of like on the front of the ring and i was not doing the things that you suggested our listeners do i wasn't really bracing myself for contact she smashed into me and i went flat on my ass (laughs) uh just like oh god you bounce back up real fast though. thank you yeah but yeah it was funny i think she like speared you like roman reigns style just roman fucking reigns yeah just like head right into like the center of your body well i wonder if some of those kids kind of saw me at the soul glow show this kind of old white guy uh in his white indie <laughs> rock t-shirt <laughs> this this old man like drinking this pbr and we're like that's the guy I'm going to run into at some point. Yeah. He needs to have his ass beat <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so. cool again in some ways it was the wildest set though because yeah. her singer god love her i mean she was incredible she just had this this presence and another just tiny punk um with this really commanding cookie monster voice and she would just say things like i want to see a fucking dance and people yeah. would just go ballistic and at one point What'd she say? It was just like side to side, side yeah, to side. Yeah, she was like, something. this next song is called Side to Side. That's right. Side to side. Like gesturing mm-hmm. with her hand. And then like the, the crowd started, picked up what she was the... putting down. Yeah. Yeah. The kids were... That was like the scariest moment because it was like they just started charging. like Just like a demented game of Red Rover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then she was like, yeah, she was just really encouraging the moshing. She was like, what we do, like where I'm from is like, we run in circles. Like you guys yeah. want to run in circles. And then they were just like, <laughs> it sounds so silly. <laughs> They're just like running around in a circle and like pushing right. each other. And then she was like, you guys got to come up front, but don't come up front and stand around. If you come up front, you better fucking, fucking dance. dance. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, I'll stay back here. Yeah, I was at, when she said that I couldn't help but think like, well, I like to dance. Perhaps I should move <laughs> to the front. I would have been knocked unconscious like oh, immediately. Yeah. yeah. Um, we did see some injuries. You want to tell me about uh the one kid? 
Yeah, there was one guy, just an active participant in the pit. Um, maybe not quite as aggressive as some of the other guys. And I sort of liked him for that reason. He seemed like well aware of like the 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 boundaries of the laws of moshing, you know. He he didn't want to just like go up to strangers and knock them out or whatever. Um, but at one point I saw him kind of retreat. He was right next to me, he was holding his face, and I saw as he just spat out a tooth into his ball. <laughs> it was unmistakably uh a piece of him that <laughs> that came out and uh i i've never seen anything like it before yeah and i he mean was like... i was more surprised than he was too i think he just kind of like probably pocketed it and was right yeah. back in there just a couple minutes later yeah um yeah and then we saw like there was that one woman that was kind of small she was kind of short yeah. and like she kept going in there, and she usually just, like, do her little skanking thing. It was kind of cute. <laughs> but there was one point where she, like, retreated back to where we were standing, and she was, like, clutching her, her like, cheek and jaw for, like, a long right. time and, like, rubbing it and was, like, visibly shooken up. Like, right. I don't know if she got punched in the face or what, but, I mean, that's got to hurt. After the <laughs> show, that doesn't sound like fun to me. I know it's funny because after the show, we went to the uh, the wiki how page about how to mosh. Um, because like there there are there there are standards, right? That makes but, us sound so lame. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, perhaps we should learn more about this. But also, practice. we have to blame Kevin. That was Kevin who did that. That was not us. Yeah, but I was curious too. <laughs> <laughs> where you know we are we're anthropologists of punk yeah yeah um but it's just it's just funny to even hear it described because it's understood that when somebody falls down um the action should stop somebody should help them up nobody should get really hurt in a mosh pit and yet people are going to get really hurt right. it's kind of absurd to try to set boundaries in a situation like that when there are literally yeah. fists flying through the air. I mean, we, yeah, there's clearly like a code of ethics of like, yeah, if somebody goes down, you immediately like pull them back up. Right. The other thing we kept seeing was like somebody would lose a phone and then they would like stop and like grab the phone and like hold it up and like try desperately to like find the owner of the Which phone. Which is just, it's so modern punk to be it's, like yeah. that. You, you didn't have any fucking cell phones even 10 years ago. Or if they fell, no. just like crush it, you know? Yeah. And now it's like, oh God, oh, it's like, it's like somebody's tooth fell out. Right. Um, but it's just so funny to have this code of ethics like that when like the whole point is to like, push people around and like yes i mean i totally understand it like like you want to do that do it like it's not my idea of fun but like i understand the appeal mm -hmm. but um the way they were doing it just to me seemed like really obnoxious and disrespectful and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh <laughs> like just irresponsible yeah, yeah. Because they I, were they, because they were running into people that weren't participating. Right. Like, I feel like that, that was a pretty clear. Sorry. Because like I've like I've been to shows with like some moshing before, but it always seems like it's kind of in the like front and center of the stage, and it's like 
It's contained, and if you want to participate, you do, and if you don't, you stay away. There's a clear and that's boundary. That. There's a clear division, and the people who are in the pit just mosh with the other people who are in the pit. But this one, it was like, there was a clear division of people who didn't want to participate, uh-huh. and yet the people who were participating were, like, forcing yeah. the people who were standing back to participate. Yeah. I had a great time at the show, and at some point we're going to yeah. talk about the musicians there. But it is funny how, like, part of me just started to resent them in, like, a very, like, conservative way. And just, just <laughs> I would just think, like, you guys don't even have fucking jobs. You know, you have no responsibilities. You have no idea what it's like, you know, for somebody <laughs> like me here on a Thursday night getting knocked on my ass. Yeah. Uh, which, is, which is crazy. I mean, I was young once, too. Um, but I was never that that young. I'll say that. I was never like, hmm, I feel compelled to uh, run into a complete fucking stranger right now. Right. So it's, uh, it's also weird, too. And this makes you feel conservative. But like, I'm so used to like in society, there's a sense of like, you know, like typically men are like bigger and stronger than women. And you mm-hmm. like never like lay your hands on a woman. Um, that's just like a bad thing to do. And suddenly you're in this space where like, I mean, I could have easily been like punched in the face. Yeah. And I was like pushed around. I mean, like I said, I got bruised. Right. I was not trying to participate. I was trying to stay away. I'm like five foot two. And there's these like six foot four dudes who are just like launching themselves into me. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like I can just imagine like, if you were kind of like a, a macho guy who's like, you know, I got to protect my woman and you weren't used to that kind of environment and you showed up and like your girlfriend got hurt or something like you would start punching people in the face. Right. <laughs> like, like a fight could break out, you know. Right. And I didn't see anything like that happen, but it just seems like it easily. Yeah. Could have. I mean, that's a classic. Maybe it's like a topic for another episode, just like the gender dynamics of, of punk and like moshing and stuff like that. Because it's fraught territory. Yeah. And we saw women in the pit and it's cool to see, honestly. Yeah. And they were like tiny women. Right. And, uh, but you, I really think you do have to be like fearless as a woman yes. in that environment. Yeah. Because um, like, hell, I'm a petite guy and I got crushed by a 90 pound person so i don't know you're you're not petite i am uh a little guy (laughs) yeah you're not short though right yeah but yeah yeah which makes it even sadder (laughs) (laughs) oh another weird thing we saw was like people crowd surfing Mm-hmm. And again, this is a small venue. This is not like a huge, like packed crowd. Like, <laughs> and there were times when I had to like hold somebody up, and I felt like a ton of weight of their weight in my hands, and felt like, yeah, if I let go right now, like this person would fall. Right. That was just weird. <laughs> like, I don't know, like a Thursday, like this little indoor show with people like crowd surfing. What's that line from uh, This Is The End? Like, <laughs> is it, am I holding your whole weight? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when Aziz oh. dies, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's so good. Um, yeah. But we did, we saw some cool moves. Like, 
it was not just there were some people who were just like flailing around like punching the sky but um we saw like somebody doing like like backflip a backflip uh-huh. at one point there were people kind of doing like breakdance moves yeah uh, there were people doing like this cool i don't really know how to describe it you kind of like lean forward with like your hands like behind your back Mm-hmm. And do this little like shuffle move with your feet, like moving side like, to uh, side, like like Groucho Marx. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want to get, there a... was like a lot of skill that we saw. For and, sure, uh, these I, kids and I'm are just picturing like these kids like practicing in their basement, just yeah. like putting on like loud music in like their parents' basement. Yeah, not <laughs> only... running around. I mean, it's easy as, like, an older person to be like, well, back in my day, like, I'd be out there. I had that kind of stamina. But it's, <laughs> and that is a huge part of it. Um, like, when when the kids would hit me at the show, they would just be fucking wet with sweat. Oh, and yeah. they'd get on me, and then suddenly I'd be wet. Gross, but there's, yeah. there's more to it than that. I mean, clearly there are, there's rehearsal going on too there are legitimate moves yeah so that was cool yeah if you want to get a flavor for it and this might help us segue into the music part of the episode um there is a there's a video on youtube of soul glow playing a show after the show we saw at dirty dungarees which is like half laundromat half venue um just down the street from ace of cups in columbus ohio a lot of the same kids that we're talking about are in that video and it's an even smaller venue and <laughs> they don't pull any goddamn punches literally or figuratively. They're still wild as shit. You mean so, they do pull punches? They pull people backwards. Oh wait, I guess pull punches means that you're like That's what I would do if I was in a pit. I'd be like, I'm not gonna actually hit you. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but the kids today they don't give a shit yeah it's like this tiny laundromat and they're just like still running around moshing it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. i yeah. remember you and i were watching it and we were like well there's just no way yeah they can be like, as wild no way. there's no room <laughs> in this tiny yep, space yep, sure enough <laughs> the kids find a way <laughs> yeah it was just i'm i'm really glad i went to that show mm-hmm. because it was just so like culturally eye-opening because yeah. i've never seen anything like that before and it yeah. was just like opened my eyes up to like this this whole world yeah where i'm sure those kids just like do that all the time yeah they just find shows where they can like they well, can mosh i sort of gestured at this earlier but there's something kind of heartwarming about it to me where it's like they have a scene yeah and they have a passion of some kind it's weird but i don't even <laughs> think we we talked about the decline of western civilization on episode two and mm-hmm. the sort of stuff you see is not super angry or aggressive either i mean it is it is aggressive yeah. and people do get hurt as we were saying but it seems less motivated by like resentment of any kind and more right. just like the feeling of like i got all this shit on my chest i gotta get it out somehow and right. i totally and relate to that yeah, it seems like um, like people are letting out like their anger and angst, but it's not, right. but not like pointedly at other people. Like yes. I, it's not like they say that 
some of the venue owners say that in the decline of Western civilization, just before you watch an artist like assail um, gay people for like five minutes, and then like the the macho polo shirt dumbest dudes you've ever seen yeah. just punching each other in the face for five and minutes. people who are like openly like racist and homophobic right right have like swastikas on i didn't get any sense of that at no this show. it was very it felt very inclusive right and that um, might be a testament to just the artists being um i mean ms pan are all white guys soul glow is all men but um half of them are black and like that informs like the themes of their music um i think like both of those artists are so much about um like building uh, a constructive scene you know and and they're both like anti-nazi in that way which is and the first and jive bomb has a female singer as you mentioned right yeah yeah and there was a moment with soul glow who was just like whoa my uh whoops never mind uh where the lead singer was just like hey i just want to like give a shout out to all the black people here yeah and then he put on uh he put on the song tipsy and he was just like yeah this is for us (laughs) just like jammed out to tipsy for a moment for a long time and we had like this call and response and then he had like the whole crowd like whisper like everybody in the bitch get tipsy yeah And then he was like, he invited like the one of like the well, some black person in the crowd, yeah, uh, who was like, uh, I don't know if it, if they were a woman or like non-binary or trans or something, but like a small person like up on the stage and like let them like finish their last song and like scream their head off into the mic, right. Uh, and it was just like this really cool moment to like yeah. see them like get invited on the stage and like get to right. like take over the show like that. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it must be. I mean, I, I think about Soul Glow, and again, they're they're like a radical punk band, and uh, I mean, there's many points on diaspora problems where they specifically go after like white liberals and stuff, and it <laughs> rules. Um, I mean, it's got to be kind of weird. I don't know if it's frustrating um, to play for audiences that are like majority white. Yeah. Um, Because that was was definitely the crowd at Ace of Cups. There were more black people there than you would see at a typical hardcore show, I think. But, you know, it was still pretty much like the crowd you'd you'd kind of think of when you think of like a punk crowd. Yeah. I mean, Um, at the end of the day, they're hardcore punk bands yeah it's like and a white the, the primary audience yeah and soul glow is so interesting i mean they mix in rap elements and just draw from like traditions that hardcore punk usually sort of stays away from not unlike like bad brains or something dipping into reggae back in the day um Though make no mistake, the <laughs> the set that they played when we saw them was like balls to the wall, unstoppable, super fast, super intense, hardcore punk. They didn't do as many like variations on it like they do on the, the record. Yeah. So. Yeah. The, the singer was doing some funny stuff. Like he was like, there's like this red uh, velvet curtain behind the stage and he like went behind the curtain at one point 
and then like had his arm around it with a microphone and then he was like still singing into the mic where like the rest of his body was like completely hidden by this this curtain and then at one point he like put his shirt like over his head and was like singing through his shirt and stuff he was having a good time yeah they were all having a great time yeah it was a lot of fun i mean um, i don't um, want it to come across like it was a like a shitty time because of these obnoxious kids like I the kids we talked about for 25 minutes yeah. you might you might think that we didn't have a good time but uh however, we had a great time yeah i mean it was just a drag because like soul glow has incredible stage presence yeah. and just again just a blistering set from them and their guitar player was just having so much fun uh it was great to see but you were constantly kind of at odds thinking like, oh, what if this 18-year-old comes by and I get uppercutted by them? Yeah. So, I will say the, the MS Paint set <laughs> was a little less like that. A little less... I don't know. I felt like there was more time to just kind of breathe and take yeah. them in. Which I mean, was great, because they were fantastic. Yeah, I mean, they're not a hardcore punk band. They're a little different. And they're... um. They, so they have a drummer, a bass player, a singer, and a, a, synth, a synthesizer player. Yeah. So there's no guitar. So it's really cool Like have like punk music with no guitar. And you can do so much with a synthesizer. It's just like really unique music. Um, and it's, yeah, it's not, not typically like as fast as like the hardcore bands that we saw. Um and I feel like there's just more of, like, a rhythm. Like, I found... That was, like, the kind of music where I found myself, like, swaying to the most. Yes. Because it was the most rhythmic. I mean, I probably enjoyed... In terms of the music, I think I enjoyed their set the most. Uh-huh. But you could see that, like, the kids, the mosh kids, were, like, didn't quite know what to do with that music. <laughs> or they just... Maybe they just recognized, like, this isn't really my yeah my thing i think they still really enjoyed it and there was definitely some moshing but it uh it calmed down for a minute when they had their set it's just so funny how like the rhythm that drew us in kind of confused them (laughs) and i think like we don't really know what to do with a hardcore rhythm with just like pure speed i mean i enjoy it yeah but in terms of moving to it, it's not super intuitive to me. I love to headbang, obviously. So, whereas, like, those kids knew exactly what to do with the hardcore rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought MS Paint was, was great, though. They were great. They were really cool. They're from Mississippi. And uh, so the, the MS might stand for Mississippi, which is uh-huh. kind of cool. Or Microsoft. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or, but, uh, a, or a woman, yeah. Or I love Ms. Their, Paint. their singer. It was just kind of like this big, like, brooding guy, like this curly hair who just, like, who just hold the mic and, like, kind of stalk back and forth yeah. on the stage and just, like, stare at the crowd. And, like, yeah. It was very intense. It was really cool. He looked like such a... He looked both like a star and not at all yeah he had like this long curly hair but he was like balding uh-huh and then he had like he's heavy set one of it yeah heavy set he had like one sleeve missing and then like yes one he had like le- half one, like pant- half a pant leg was missing <laughs> yeah 
but they were just so in control i mean they're i think they're proud of their sound and they should be yeah and their songs are very before yeah the songs are very inviting they just have these big hooks and full of like affirmations just about like you know (laughs) feeling good about yourself yeah it's really like heavy music but then it's just like uh yeah, like you can do it and stuff like yeah. that. Like a really cute combination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thursday, and we had to work the next day. Uh, three bands in the span of two hours. Right. That was pretty great. And it was cool because it was like very DIY, where you saw the bands all set up their own equipment. Yeah. There was no, like, we're going to hide behind and, like, have our roadies come out and set everything up for yeah. us and, like, do a sound check. Like, no, they all just did it themselves. And that yeah. was cool. And even, like, especially from Soul Glow, who, like I said, like, they're playing Pitchfork this year. They're, like, on all those lists of, like, the greatest albums of last year. Right. But still, there they are, just, like, doing it themselves. There's something about it that's cool, and there's something about it that's kind of jarring, too. Obviously, I respect the DIY ethic, but, you know, this is probably one of the top punk bands in, in the United States right now. And they're just playing this, like, $20 show at this pretty tiny bar in Columbus, Ohio, giving it their all. And then when the show was done, like they were hanging out, you know, they were picking up their equipment. They were like talking to people. It wasn't what you typically see, like the retreat into whatever booze and and girls (laughs) and stuff. Hell, And then they played a fucking other set a couple hours later. So yeah, I got a lot of, I got a lot of respects. Clearly, just people uh, who want to do it. Like, you wouldn't go over to the. What is it called? Is it Dirty Dungarees? Is that the name of it? Yeah, you wouldn't go over there and, like, play an additional set unless you just really wanted to play. Yeah. There's no money in that. It It was probably a free show. They didn't advertise it or anything. Yeah. Oh. You just in it for the love. And, uh. Yeah. Yeah. I just. When I. we, We were talking as soon as we had seen it just about, like, they're set and you kind of mentioned how it was harder to pick up on some of the riffs with like soul glow yeah and some of the distinctive elements of their songs were maybe kind of lost in like the chaos of it and i think that's probably true but i just respected them so much after seeing it just all these things that we've mentioned and then i listened to the record again like a day later and especially the first song on it which was like the last song in the set that they played Mm-hmm. Um, gold chain punk and was like yeah this might be one of the best uh, punk songs ever <laughs> <laughs> it's so good yeah 
Mad respects. Yeah. So yeah, we saw them and we we learned a thing or two about life, about ourselves, about the kids, about rock and roll. Yeah. We learned that we're out of touch. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the theme of this this episode. And and yet, I'm sorry if I've said this already like three times. There's like the continuity of of punk music. Yeah. Which I was not I was not alienated by it, you know? I mean the music that they play that like that the young people were getting down to, it's like, it's fundamentally the same as fucking Minor Threat or Black Flag or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's kind of neat. Yeah, it is cool. It's cool to see, like, kids that are passionate about music and, like, going to shows. Yeah. And, like, they clearly have their niche and they're, like... Yeah. They're, they're like, a community. Like, you see people, like, new one another and I'm it's sure not they, like... see, they see each other at the same shows and stuff. It's not like they're learning about that or developing a passion for it via TikTok videos. I don't think that's what's happening. No way. Yeah. There's just like that visceral, physical element that that is being sought out there, and uh, yeah, I it's it's kind of neat, even if it's also like really weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, punk rock is not dead. It's not dead. We're not dead either. <laughs> but we're getting older and we're looking around at this landscape of modern music and we're like, what's with this stuff? Yeah, what's with this stuff? What's going on here? Yeah, we thought it would be fun to come up with a list of of classic tropes that we've been hearing <laughs> in contemporary music that pisses us off. Because nah! we're miserly, old, out-of-touch people. <laughs> well i don't necessarily need to talk about this stuff like it's just making me angry because there's some things and if you've listened to our pop episode you know that i'd like to think we have like complicated feelings about this stuff there's some things that i think are are encouraging there's some things that aren't yeah so yeah we just sort of want to talk about some of the tropes of uh contemporary music kind of weigh in on some of these debates a little bit see what yeah. happens yeah what uh i know you wrote down a list what's what uh what you got i mean what i know the... the list but yeah <laughs> i don't remember I think the first thing we should talk about <laughs> is just sort of like the spotification of music and the way it's consumed and particularly how songs are really short now and albums are really fucking long. Yeah. And the point of the long album, correct me if I'm wrong, is because these popular artists are getting pay- they're getting paid by Spotify and other streaming services based on how many plays they get. And so if they can come out with an album that's like 20, 25 songs, then they're going to get more plays. Yes. And make more money. The Drake model. The Drake model. Just I mean, cranking I think them out. He's the pioneer of this kind of music making, I think. Of this kind of music branding. Yeah. And, uh... And I guess the, the short song kind of goes hand in hand. Because you're not getting paid based on, like, 
the minutes people are listening to your song, it's just a play. Right. So if you can just crank out like a short little ditty, that's going to count as a play, a single play, just like, you know, a 10 minute song. Right. So if you want to get a lot of plays, just crank out a lot of short ones. Recently, the band Fucked Up released an EP based on one of the Chinese horoscope signs i forget which one they've been doing it for a long time and typically when they release it it's one like 15 minute song and this last one was one 15 minute song but they split it up into 10 second increments for spotify oh my god to game it which um (laughs) is cool (laughs) Um, i mean obviously the business model there is is terrible it's just not the way you i hate it when like the industry forces artists to think about things this way but i don't have anything necessarily against like a really short pop song or even a really long record i think there can be stuff about both of those things that's really great yeah i think it can be done really well i mean i look at like sos by SZA. This mm-hmm. was a long album. I mean, it's it's got like close to twenty tracks on it, I think. But they're all great. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like it's a bunch of filler. Like they're all great songs. And that's yeah. not to say like most people are doing it that way. I'm sure there are a ton of albums out there by pop artists that are really long, and most of it's filler. Great. But <clears throat> uh, even like um, um, Inverano Sinti. By Bad yeah. Bunny. I mean, I thought that was a great album, but I do think it was way longer than it needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. But it's I'm funny. Sure there are people who disagree with me. Yeah. It's I just how... felt like a lot of songs are just kind of like repeating the same ideas over and over. And it yeah. would have been stronger if it had been like more curated. There's something about the long album that's full of filler or has some filler songs which is almost like a throwback to the early days of rock and pop where an artist would have one or two great singles like the supremes or whatever and you would just pad out a record with covers and songs that were like cheap knockoffs of like other hits just so you could sell that that longer record which was gonna make you more money it's kind of like a a return to that in some ways yeah um obviously again it's it's you would you would want people to just focus on making every song kind of good (laughs) (laughs) and i think some artists like sizza are able to do that but there's powerful incentives for not doing that, for just yeah. being like, this song kind of sucks, but we're going to still put it on here. So, because it's going to give us more money, more clicks. Yeah. I'm with two minds about like the, the short song thing, too, because I think a lot, I think like so many great songs are short. Some of the best songs are really short and succinct and like don't waste any time. Yeah, look Just at the early the Beatles singles for crying out loud. They're all two minutes long. Yeah, and like you can like pack so much punch in a short song. And a lot of pop songs like don't have a ton of ideas. Like they're just kind of like a verse and a chorus that gets repeated. So mm-hmm. 
just maybe repeat that fewer times. <laughs> like yeah. we don't need to hear you repeat the chorus. Like, yeah, like, why not just uh, make your point and then get out of here? Yeah, but then at the same time, I think a lot of pop songs like are just too simple. Like they don't have a bridge. Um, they don't have like maybe a solo or like an intro or outro or something. Like some of those things can really enhance songs. And uh, some of them, I think, are just too simple. They're yeah. already, like, not very interesting. And then they just, because they don't have those other elements, they're just very basic. Yeah. Because I love a succinct song that maybe has, like, an interesting bridge and a solo. Maybe you do, like, verse, chorus, verse. Ver... maybe like verse chorus verse bridge yeah solo uh chorus or something and you fit that all into like two and a half minutes and it's like oh my god amazing mm-hmm. uh but if you're just gonna have like verse chorus verse chorus boom i'm done not very interesting right the interesting short songs are the ones that get popular even though they seem to disrespect the idea of like verse and chorus and some of those songs are kind of mystifying to me. I think they're the songs that are more adjacent to like rap because I just think hip hop has like ideas about verses, choruses, et cetera, that maybe are like a little less, um, I don't know, set in stone than like a lot of traditional pop. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just the nature of like hip hop production and sampling, like fragmentation just sort of comes easy. And so does like kind of like a postmodern way of looking at things. Like I'm gonna borrow this lick from another song. Somebody's gonna rap over it for a bit, and then suddenly this other element's gonna be introduced, and it's never gonna come back again. Songs that like can do that sort of thing and make it interesting and even catchy in like less than two minutes are super cool. Yeah. Well, and there's so many like really long rap songs. I mean, I think. Typically, rap yeah. songs are like much longer than than pop or rock songs because because the focus is on the verse and That's, you need like yeah. time to be able to like spit that out. Or if you have like a well, yeah, I think that was true for a while and maybe less true now. But sorry, yeah, you yeah. yeah. But sometimes that can be to me that can get boring because um, uh-huh. I'm not as like I I have an appreciation for like. For rapping and like having like great flow and stuff, but I'm more you typically I'm more drawn to like a, a good beat or something or like interesting samples or like a melody. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have a rap song where it's like maybe you have like an ensemble crew of like six people and like each one of them like has a long verse, and the song mm-hmm. goes on for like eight minutes. <laughs> You know, that's not always my favorite thing. Yeah. Yeah. The the posse cut, I believe. Yeah. The, the, name the posse cut. Yeah. It's just funny how that kind of versifying, even in rap music, is just sort of not as salient anymore. Yeah. And I'm talking as an as an outsider here. But based on what little I know, and this drives a lot of hip-hop purists up the wall, there is something where it's about 
stickiness. It's about uh, getting like the right hook or like the right line in at the right time, as opposed to 64 bars of like impeccable rhyming. Yeah, for sure. Though, I mean, again, the 64 bars thing is kind of, it can be great if you got a good MC. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to see people like give that sort of thing up, but. Right. One on the, on the topic of rap, I feel like there's one trope that's kind of going away that was super popular <laughs> maybe 10, 15 years ago, and I'm glad to see it go. And that's like the pop song that has like the rap verse in it, like towards the end. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like every, every song would like, and it was often like Pitbull. Um, <laughs> yes. like, have this like super pop song and then like and then they would just have like a rapper come in and like do the stupid little rap and then like go into the chorus again I'm, I think there's still plenty of songs that do that yes but I feel like it's it's waning a, a little bit I don't I think it's like more now. I think it's more organic too just because there's less difference between pop and hip-hop now yeah that's probably true so it doesn't feel like awkward and gratuitous it's like oh now this guy's gonna come in and he's gonna say some words about whatever my song is about that's why they call it window pane or whatever yeah and sometimes the tone was like so different because it would be like this really like squeaky clean like female pop singer and then you'd have like (laughs) this like gangster rapper would come in and just like just say something like really raunchy yeah and it's like oh this doesn't fit <laughs> i feel like um it's kind like of Mar- yeah like Mar- mariah carey really uh set the groundwork for that right yeah with having like old dirty bastard yeah i love her yeah anyway it's just funny because just just maybe to wrap up like short songs long albums like i'm too big of a guy to buy voice voices fan to be like it's bad to have songs that are under two minutes i'm kind of obsessed with very short songs and i don't know I'm, i'm too big of a double album fan as i mentioned on the last record to just be like i don't want to listen to a record for 70 minutes it's like if this shit is good yeah of course yeah give it to me and that's why it all depends on like the quality yeah yeah of the the song and of the album yeah i mean there's like that stuff can work if you're a lazy artist but hell man there's a reason why like uh, Stevie Wonder made a really long record, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, sometimes you just have a fuck ton of ideas, and that's, like, the way you gotta do it. Yeah. Um, what else? What's, like, another, maybe, like, rappy thing we can talk about here? Or poppy thing? Yeah. There's a lot of 80s nostalgia right now. And there's also, like, a disco nostalgia, which, of course, I'm into. Yeah. I think about that fucking weekend song that was um, so big for so long. Fucking flashing lights or whatever. And I still maintain that the Harry Styles song is a ripoff of Take On Me. (laughs) I don't think so. Okay. We're, you know. Okay. 
You're free of your own opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I mean, I love the sounds of the 70s, as I said before, and the 80s. So for me, like, I'm glad that, like, those sounds are being incorporated into music again. Mm-hmm. Like, I love disco. I love synthesizers. Um, I love that kind of, like... Four on the eight, floor. Eight, yeah, four on the floor, like, moody, like, 80s, kind of hazy 80s sound. Um. But I think there's like a right way and a wrong way to do it. And I I just don't like when artists like go full on like retro. And it's just like, I'm going to, I'm just going to take this, make this song that just sounds like straight out of the 70s and like not really like use any new ideas in it. Yeah. We kind of mentioned that in our last episode talking about how, how Badu is able to transform her influences whereas somebody like i don't know bruno mars is just kind of uh like slavishly uh rips them off Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah we love jesse ware's new record we should probably talk about that on another episode i feel like that one is so yeah and I like, sound, I mean, yeah. and that's hypocritical because I freaking love that album and it's very heavily like 70s disco inspired. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like the difference is that I just, I feel like she's such a inspired artist that like she's just coming up with like really great melodies and beats and rhythms and like lyrics and and has a great voice and like the music is really interesting whereas another artist is maybe just like too generic where if they try to do a 70s sound it just feels like you're not bringing anything new to the table like you're just using like an old formula you sense that she genuinely loves that music and like believes in it i guess that it's not just like a pose for her yeah, I think it's probably just like the the records she she treasures are like chic and like yeah. off the wall and and Chaka Khan and stuff and was just like, hey, I want to add to this tradition. Yeah, which yeah. is you know again that's that's one of my favorite traditions, and I'm I'm happy to have like more albums that are just fun dance records. That's a great. A, a, a good trend i think if again people are like sincere about it and not just sort of cynical and being like yeah the kids like this so <laughs> yeah can talk about jazzy whisper voice and sad vibes 
<laughs> yeah. This is one that really irritates me. And I think a lot of people like the Jazzy Whisper voice. But personally, I can't stand it. And I feel like everybody does it. And I hate it. Uh, there's got to be like a male equivalent. But the thing I'm thinking of is like done by women. And it's just kind of like this, like... You're not putting that much effort into the... Or I shouldn't say effort. You're not, like, putting that much, like, emotion into the vocals. Um, it always just feels kind of like I'm just casually singing. And I'm not... I'm never belting. You know what I'm talking about? The cold medicine voice? <laughs> I guess that's one way to describe it. I find it very hard to describe, but I know I want to hear it. And I feel right. Like right. Most I mean, there's people a, do it these days. There's a crisis of singing right now, and I think, like, of a, a female singing especially. Um, and it's... Nobody uh, sings with their heart anymore. Yeah. It's all this lame affectation... And uh, everything is just a little too cool for me. And I don't even, I don't mean cool as in uh, hip. I mean it just in terms of the emotional content being a little um, chilled. Yeah. And it's, there's like no warmth to it, but there's, at the same time, there's not really any like abrasion to it either. Right. There's got to be like something equally annoying that men do too. I don't want to just like. <laughs> lest <laughs> we come off like women. a, lest we uh, come off like a misogynist podcast or something. What's what's the typical male voice right now? Um, the typical male voice. I feel like this might be a good segue into another complaint but i feel like it's kind of like a mumford and son's voice yeah it's like maybe like a fake scottish accent (laughs) yeah welsh accent or something (laughs) it's kind of funny because it's like the in some ways it's the opposite of the female voice we don't like where there's kind of like a phony brightness to it Mm. i think Yeah, I feel like it's like trying to sound like extremely like sensitive um, and like passionate, but in a but in a gentle way. Right. I don't know. <laughs> right. A ballless way. <laughs> a ballless way. <laughs> yeah. I think. There was a time maybe 10 or 15 years ago, the Mumford and Sons era, when that was mainstream indie rock. It was just like post-Arcade Fire, earnest, Americana-infused folk rock bands 
with boy and girl singers. And as you astutely noted, the whistle and the kick drum. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that sound has maybe dissipated a little bit. You still hear it in car commercials all the time, which is where it always belonged, honestly. Um, I guess I'm grateful that I think the mainstream of indie rock... Uh-oh, you cut 10 off. years ago. Um, oh, do you want to um, just say that sentence over again? Because you cut off. Yeah. I I think the mainstream of indie rock might be a little more interesting than it was 10 years ago. And that's mainly because it's not these kind of male-dominated fake folk bands. It's It's mostly women. And they're just drawing from like a broader musical and emotional palette yeah so that's something we got going well i wouldn't say it's mostly women i think that's most of the indie rock that you and i listen to today right so you're saying it's still around yeah i mean i think it's still a field like dominated by men but i think we've seen a lot of a lot more women lately yeah but i think you and i are more drawn to some of the female indie rock artists of late. Because uh, they're better. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. There's just a lot of great ones out there. It's kind of <laughs> funny. It's like when people talk about like the modern economy and they ask, what's the role of men, you know, in an economy that's primarily like a service economy? I think there's something about the musical economy right now that might privilege like voices. I don't know exactly what I'm saying right now. I'm riffing a little bit. (laughs) I think about bedroom pop and stuff um, and how rock bands, indie bands are like less of a thing than ever. Like indie music right now really privileges a kind of like individual vision. And for some reason, like it's woman visions that are like ascendant. At least, again, to your point, like it's not like they're everywhere. It's it's mainly like the stuff we like, but it does feel different. Um, whereas, like the musical economy of today, just it doesn't really support like just four raggedy dudes uh, going on the road and being assholes. It's like things are <laughs> things are different now. Yeah, and, uh, maybe better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's something to that. Um, I think indie rock has just gotten like softer, and like, like you mentioned, bedroom pop. That's like, yeah, there's been a, a ton of that lately. I think about how a lot of like the gatekeeping institutions have fallen apart. We all know this story. An artist is probably less inclined to go to like a big studio now and work with a big producer. I mean, if there's somebody like Taylor Swift, sure, that's still an option. But if you're somebody who's just kind of like mid-range or not that popular, there are tools you can just use in your house now. Um, and yeah, I think women are really yield- wielding those tools successfully. Or like they kind of understand like how to use them 
better. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Again, they, they, I'm working on this. But... <laughs> yeah. I have like this unified theory of like why <laughs> women appear to be better at indie rock now than men. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To go back to the Mumford and Sons thing, I feel like there's been like two two different like effects that they've had or that uh-huh. like just that kind of music has had. And I think one, and this drives me crazy, is the there's so much music today that is like super dramatic but boring. <laughs> and I complain about that all the time. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's just so many songs that are like so pandering that they, they sound like they're putting like so much emotion into it and it's and so much drama and they're like really wanting you to feel something. Mm-hmm. but then like the song itself is not very interesting like there's there's like no hooks it's just not very dynamic it's right just, like it's grandiose but but simple at the same time yes um and then the other effect is like the casual Mumford and Sons effect the casual sound uh you mentioned like car commercials Mm-hmm. And you already mentioned the uh, the whistle and and uh, kick drum beat, <laughs> but that's just so commonplace now. I'm just kind of just like, that's really not how it goes, but but this little like cute little like whistling beat or whistling tune, and then like this like kind of jangly like bass drum. And I, if I'm ever trying to, like, think of, like, what does that sound like? I just imagine, like, um, like, what's that show, like, Chris, uh, the game? Young Sheldon. No. Okay, sorry. TV with, like, uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. Um, that, God, you should oh. know. Yeah, but whatever, the home makeover show. Like something Magnolia, like that, like uh, HGTV, where it's just kind of like a song you would play, like transitioning from like one scene to the next, or like intro music to like yes. uh, the Great American Recipe or something. Yes. Like yeah. And it's, I think it's fine, like as, as like a TV show, like theme music or like transition music. Yes. But I think for, like, stuff on the radio, it's just so lame. I think your your two features or two, like, influential strains of the Mumford and Sonsification of music are, <laughs> they're related, right? And I think the first one that you talked about, music is dramatic, even though it's just not very interesting. I was just thinking when you talked about that, of what the Spotify CEO said about the mission of his platform, how like, it's not about the music. It's about moments, which is like such a deranged thing to say. Yeah. What does that mean? Very dystopian. I don't know what that means. But I think it's, it's that idea, right? It's like, we want you to be the star of your life and music is going to be the score of your little drama. So you have these songs mm-hmm. that have these like big peaks and valleys, but they don't really mean anything on their own terms. 
And then the second thing you said, just like the the casual stuff, the gentle transitions on PBS shows and (laughs) TV shows. Yeah. I mean, that just shows you the effect of TV, I think. Mm. So it's all about just the dominance of screens. I (laughs) I think that has a lot to do with like, why music is the way it is now because most people learn about music and they approach music through streaming media through movies and tv Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's not great i mean obviously (laughs) like there are so many songs that have come to me through movies that i really treasure and musical moments in movies and tv that i think are great but I think like the Mumford's and Mumford and Sons aesthetic, the theory of Mumford is just like the purpose of music is just to underscore the movie or TV show that is your life. Mm. So it should never be very intrusive. It should never be dissonant. It's always got to be like just steady beat, little acoustic guitar, little whistle, little twinkle, maybe a big peak somewhere, like a big finish. But, again, what's it even for? Yeah. And what does it mean? Like, what does is it there, fucking mean? Is there any, like, real passion behind it? Yeah. Like, are you really, like, writing this song about your life? And, like, your and your emotions? I mean, I guess you are. I, I don't know. I hate to be sound like, oh, you're, just, you're not a real musician. You're just, like... It's all phony. And it just feels, it sounds so phony. Right. <laughs> to me. <laughs> right. And I don't know. Didn't you have, didn't you like, you texted me some theory we, the other day and we never discussed it, but it was something about like Gen, how music is for Gen Z, what TV was for. Yes. Gen X and millennials or something. I mean, this is kind of related to what I just said, but here's another theory I've been working on. Like, the role of music and TV has flip-flopped in, like, the last 20 years. Mm. Where, when we were growing up, I think we treasured uh, collecting music, avidly listening to music, developing obsessions with certain artists, and, like, cultivating your own taste. Whereas TV was just something that was on in the background. I mean, you had shows that you liked, you know, and channels that you liked. But I don't know. I never really treated it like it was something that really mattered to me, you know. Um, I liked Family Matters. (laughs) And, (laughs) And like Dragon Ball Z. I mean, I guess I was really into Dragon Ball Z for a minute. But as soon as I, like, approached adulthood, it was kind of like, well, this doesn't seem like as enriching an experience as, I don't know, like, Nutramilk Hotel or whatever. Like, that's something you can really build a life around. But I think with Gen Z, it's the opposite thing, right? I think they're just so into, like, digesting shows and just constantly with the streaming screen media... And sort of, I don't know, developing their personalities like along those lines. Whereas music is just something that you put on to study to or Mm. chill to. Yeah. All wild generalizations. 
well even i feel like tv is a background thing too i guess it's all background i think for so many people like your phone is the foreground Mm -hmm. and then anything else is the background like you're you put on a movie or a show or some music yeah while you're but like your main focus is like scrolling through your phone and that's like that's that's a generalization too like plenty of people like sit down and like watch yeah a show or a movie but i think it's very commonplace to like do that stuff in the background i don't think you like can actually learn anything educational from listening to a ceo but like the netflix ceo recently said that the content they wanted to develop was two screen content basically they want to make shows that you can have on in the background as you're looking at your phone which is again if you care at all about like good movies or whatever it's like <laughs> fuck <laughs> yeah so yeah I understand that for like certain TV shows like I really enjoyed watching The Great American Recipe but <laughs> I think it'd be totally fine to like have it on in the background <laughs> and like half watch it yeah but yeah. uh but like a movie that's like I don't know, that's a work of art that you're supposed to, like, consume as, like, a whole entity. Like, watch from beginning to end. Like, that's how it's intended. Right. So, I don't know. But there's also a lot of, like, shitty movies that really don't deserve our undivided attention, so. Yeah. I don't think anyone needs to, like, watch Transformers from beginning to end. (laughs) (laughs) Some of us took a solemn <laughs> vow never to do that, so. Yeah. <laughs> I like how saying the word Transformers caused you to erupt into spasms. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fucked me up, man. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of sad to think about. I think there's... I think to really... To make good music requires a certain amount of concentration. And I think listening to music and getting something out of it requires concentration, too. But, like, our world where most important thing, and you're constantly being diverted from one thing to another, like, that kind of um, steady investment in a project as a creator, even as a consumer, is just sort of, like, falling away. And um, it feels like something going to be lost Hmm. it it will be in our lifetime i guess that like uh you know once scorsese dies it will be like that's it like that's the end of an era you know nobody's gonna make a great mainstream movie ever again what (laughs) what are you talking about (laughs) like he's the only good director i'm just saying like he is he has made it like his life's mission to just like preserve cinema and educate people about it and he's like been at war with like marvel for like years now much mm-hmm. of the chagrin of like marvel fans and stuff mm. um obviously like good stuff will still be made but there's this isn't a movie podcast either i don't know why i'm going into this but it's related somehow i think there's going to be, you know, the onset of AI. So much music is already 
it's probably not like made by AIs, but it might as well be, you know, if it, if it just abides by a certain formula, if it only exists to kind of like cool off your mood, then what is the difference between something made by a person and something made by a bot? Yeah. I don't know. I want to believe that people made stuff is like really important that it matters. That it helps me live. Um, But I know that like, the business models of these companies don't care about that at all. No, I mean, they already don't. Yeah. 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 But I think at the same time, like you look at the way we consume music. I mean, so much of it is done in the background. Like how many people listen to music while they're working, but like they have to concentrate on their work. They can't completely like just tune out of work and like concentrate on a song. Right. You know, or you're just like doing stuff around the house or you're whatever. Washing the dishes. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think it's, I think there's like something to be said for just like, you know, vibes based music. Yeah. Uh, you can I shouldn't put on the background. But, yeah. I mean, but, Nina man, was talking about. We still about... need the, the real stuff that gives you a real feels and really has something to say yeah yeah what's uh did you have any other tropes on your list some of these we've already addressed like weak sauce indie rock i think we've kind of been <laughs> yeah i think we uh, <laughs> buzzing around that for a minute um you wanted to talk about dub randomness i don't know if we already kind of addressed <laughs> that yeah this one is uh i feel like it's not as commonplace anymore probably but i feel like as soon as like dubstep became a big thing then like people started incorporating it into songs where it doesn't belong yeah we just have like this like pop song or like a folksy song or something that just has like a totally different sound and then they just like drop this dubstep beat into it randomly it's like what (laughs) i just feel like it's like the point of it is to like make it feel like super dramatic like mic drop like oh shit like it's going down but to me it just always sounds (laughs) so ridiculous it's kind of like the random rap verse thing that you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't fit. It's just, you just got to shoehorn this element that people associate with, like, fun and danger, even if it doesn't make any sense in the song. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the dub rhythm is still around. It's gonna be. I mean, because it's, it's good, man. I mean, like... <laughs> Some someday we'll do just like an episode about like Latin America and stuff and the Caribbean and just yeah. that musical legacy and how it's like increasingly just the sound of music across the world. And uh that's not a terrible thing. Yeah. But like all the other things we're talking about, like there was a point where this stuff just gets kind of generic and uninspired. And then it has the exact opposite effect of what it's supposed to have doesn't excite you yeah just deadens you <laughs> <laughs> deadens <her. laughs> yeah hopefully we 
we can like find examples of the stuff we're talking about. I'll sprinkle them in. This and will be sprinkle like them in. the hardest, longest production ever. Yeah, it might be hard to like find good examples. Because I generally try to avoid that music. The, the yeah. things that I'm talking about. But yeah, we can do it. Yeah, I'll definitely find that one song when we're sun's music that song that's like oh. <laughs> i don't know that one. <laughs> oh, you wanted to bring up the a term that you recently learned about which is the millennial whoop the millennial whoop yeah i don't have much to say about it i just thought it was <laughs> it's fascinating it has a wikipedia article devoted to it <laughs> and it's another thing that I don't know if you hear it as much these days. Um, it was really back when, like, Katy Perry was a huge star mm. that you just heard it all the time. But, oh, 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 yeah. The chorus is just that oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, oh, that, oh, oh, chant. The alternating between, again, I don't know music theory, but the kind of low note and the high note, like in rapid succession. Yeah. Yeah, it, like, it used to be everywhere. Like until the world ends count? Yes, absolutely. Okay. It's a variation on it. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, that really was like every Katy Perry song. Yeah, it was like her one trick. Like, roar. I think there was, there's definitely a few Kesha songs that had it too. Yeah. Yeah, it and was. And she does. She always does that. Like, yeah, tonight we're going down, 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 down. Just <laughs> <laughs> that kind of like, like staccato way of singing, or whatever you call it. Yeah. I mean, that feels like uh, that's the thing of the past. That's why it's called the millennial whoop, you know. Yeah, that was like the 2010s. I think a lot of these tropes are yeah i don't watch enough it's tiktok videos yeah and out <laughs> of time we should just have a day where we're, we're just on tiktok all day we just force ourselves oh, to be on tiktok for our entire um time that we're awake Ugh. and we just like take notes of the songs we hear which probably won't be that many honestly um, yeah. <laughs> and we'll have more concrete data for the sequel to this episode. Mm. That sounds like an awful day, though. Right, but sometimes, you know, you got to make some sacrifices. Sure. For the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only other thing I think I have on my list is shitty country, guys. Oh, yeah. Which, another thing I don't really know much about the musical elements of, but, uh, you know, I've read articles about Morgan Wallen and, what, Jason Aldean, and they fucking suck. So, yeah. I've never heard of these guys until you brought them up a couple days ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, was it... Who, who was saying that, like, uh, it was 9-11 that, like, ruined country music? Oh, that was me, I think. Because, like... <laughs> I think there's something to be said for that. Because, like, yeah. 90s country was pretty great. Hell yeah. Which I feel like it shouldn't have been. You know, like... It just seems like it would have been terrible in the 90s. Right. Um, 
But actually, there was like a ton of great country music in the 90s. And then, yeah, I think it was just like 9-11 happened. George Bush was president. Uh, You had people just like double down on just, I mean, like the Toby Keith thing. Yes. Of like, we're going to put a boot in their ass and like, we're more patriotic than ever. And like fuck anyone that has like anything critical to say about the president or our country or the war in Iraq and then it just got like it it just it like country has always been a genre of tropes but it just got like it just seemed like a parody of itself yeah at that point onward I think about like the David Allen Coe song you never even call me by my name when he writes the perfect country verse at the end yeah. But it's like totally tongue in cheek. It's yeah. really funny. It's a joke. Yeah. Like it's just not even a joke anymore. You just you just take like four obvious rural signifiers, put them together, add a bit of homophobia, and boom, you are the most fucking popular country star in America now. And you know what, people? Before some of you jokers say, well, uh, Jack and Emily, like, they're just uh, East Coast elites. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lived in the middle of the country my entire fucking life, okay? Live in red-ass Ohio? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck well, you. Unless you forget, you uh, lived in Texas for 10 years. and Yeehaw! Oklahoma for, what, four, three years? Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know what I did down there? I listened to more goddamn country music than any of you haters ever have. Uh, i feel like we're always getting angry at our listeners but um we really have no anger whatsoever (laughs) our listeners are like entire entirely sympathetic yeah yeah and uh, up till this point they're like jesus christ i didn't know they felt this way i didn't know jack did so antagonistic Uh, yeah Sorry, everybody. I just, I lost my cool there for a second. I just. <laughs> um, uh, that's all I have to say for now. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, that's modern music <laughs> today, people. <laughs> yeah. You know. Hey, there's a lot of things we like, too. Oh, absolutely. You can't extinguish the flame. Not forever. <laughs> The yeah. candle keeps burning, baby. As yeah. long as the human soul exists, great music will exist. Yeah. And there's a lot of great music out there. Oh, there's my God. There's a lot of great pop music out there. Yep. We talked about some great punk music early in the episode. So, like, that's still around. <laughs> yeah. But it's also stuff that's, you know, of the time. I mean, I feel like punk is kind of like a throwback to an old genre. But there's plenty of, like, contemporary stuff that, like, younger generations are doing that's actually good. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
we're out of touch and now we're out of time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Have a great. Bye. Bye.